Colossians chapter number 3. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Colossae. So what he says in verse number 1 of chapter number 3, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupience, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time, when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Here's our focus verse. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord this morning. Here we find in our text, uh, the Apostle Paul is writing to the Colossians, this church at Colossae. And Paul had been a prisoner for a while, and he met a man by the name of Epaphras. Epaphras labored in the Word, according to uh, Colossians chapter number 1. He labored in the Word. He was a faithful member here at the church of Colossae. And so you can imagine that the Apostle Paul and Epaphras are hanging out together. They're in a jail cell together. They're, they're in a chamber together. What do you think they have to do? Absolutely nothing. They have nothing to do. So what do they do? They do like good old Baptists do and they talk. 
They talk about the weather. They talk about any and everything that's out there. But I just know the Apostle Paul, he's a man of substance. He doesn't want just little small details. He doesn't want just surface conversation. When he asks, how are you? He's not asking you know, to have a conversation. No, he really wants to know just how are you. Uh, and, and I believe the Apostle Paul, he, there he was in that chamber as he's meeting Epaphras and they're having some deep conversations. I, I don't know because the Scriptures don't say, but I, I just wonder if the Apostle Paul was, was laying there and bound in chains and fetters as, as there he is with Epaphras and he asked him, Hey, what's your name? And he says, I'm Epaphras. I, I wonder if the next question was, Are you saved? Uh, and I could have imagined him saying, Well, yes, I, I am saved. Let me tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ. And they got to talking. And it wasn't long after he got to tell them, Epaphras was telling Paul about his Savior. Then he starts talking about his church. You see, salvation and church go hand in hand. I, I understand that you don't have to attend church to earn salvation, friend. But because you're saved, you ought to want to be at church. Can I get an amen? amen? Amen. And so there they are. He's talking about the things of God. He's talking about, hey, I'm in this church. And then he finds out from Epaphras, Epaphras, are you a preacher? Well, no, I'm not a preacher, but I sure do love Jesus. And I go out and I labor in the Word. As a matter of fact, that's what you'll find in chapter number 1. And so you find a layman in the church. You just find a regular church member that sits on the pews. But how can you labor on a pew? You can't do it. He, he, he faithfully attends the house of God. He faithfully attends his local New Testament church, but he labors outside of the walls of the church. Why do you think Epaphras got there to prison? Uh, the scholars would suggest that he wasn't just sitting on a pew one day and somebody come in there and charged him. I believe that he got out there on the streets, not even a licensed preacher, and started telling others about Jesus. And there they are, those two Christians found each other. In this jail. And Epaphras is telling the testimony of how he got saved. And then he eventually tells the testimony of the church. You'll find it in the church in, in chapter 1 verse 4. Paul says, Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which ye have to all saints. We find out that this church here at Colossae it could be a church that love built. It was a loving church. It was known for its love. It was known for their characteristics. It was a good church. It was a solid church. I mean, they had soul winners in the church. This church loved everybody. And here Paul loves this church. Paul has never visited this church. And at this point, he's already fell in love with the church. The reputation of the church preceded itself. But, but here we are in our text today. And we're in chapter number 3. And we find in chapter number 3, he is telling these saints of God how to mature in their faith. He says, you've got the formula right. The, the music's right. The preaching's right. The, the soul winning's right. I just want to see you take it to the next level. And I'm going to tell you what you got to do. Be ye thankful. Be ye Thankful. That, that B is, is that little word B is, is a very important word, especially when it's used as a prefix. Be thankful. That's, that's almost in its, its interlinear in James 1 22 when it says, Be ye doers of the word. It, where it's almost in linear when he says in James 2 12, Be kindly affectionate 
It's almost linear when we look at Romans 12 and 10 where it says, Be filled with the Spirit. You see, being thankful is a lifestyle, friend. It's not just a prayer that we recite. And I'm so glad that I heard several prayers today already of the thankfulness of the things of God. But it does not say to say thank you. It says, be ye thankful. He's letting them know you've got a great foundation. But if you want to accelerate in what God has planned for you, there is a formula to get there. And it comes with thankfulness. So what he does there at the beginning of the chapter, he takes them all the way back. And he reminds them of the old man. And before he even sets that up, He reminds them, you're doing great things on the earth, but as great as you got it on the earth, remember, it's all about Him. If you ever come to church and it's just about me and it's just about you, we might as well close up shop and go home. It should be about Christ. It should be about God. It should be about what the Lord is doing. And so He says, He says to them, to set your affection on things above and not on the earth, for ye are dead. What do you mean, preacher, I'm dead? The Bible says I was quickened. That means brought to life immediately. That means who I once was. Before I got saved, that man is dead. It says for ye are dead. Everything about your church is dead. Everything about you is dead. The only good thing about you and the only good thing about your church is the good grace of God. And the love that I hear about your church and the Christ that I hear about your church and the boldness I hear about your church is not from your good works. It's from Christ working through you. He says, For ye are dead and your life is hid. It's hid with Christ. We often pray, and I'm so glad they pray every time I get up, Lord, hide the preacher behind the cross. When I preach, don't see me. I want you to see Christ. Don't see me, see the Lord. Don't see me, see the blood. Don't see me, see the crucifixion. I don't want it to ever be about me. And He's reminding that church, never make it about them. Always make it about the Lord. He says... Your life is hid with Christ in God. The life you now have is in the Lord. Since you got saved, you are uh, are now being sanctified. That means the Lord is working on you. Your soul saved, but there are some habits, and you're going to see that in just a minute. There are some things you have to put off still. But he says, he goes on, when Christ, who is our life, wait a second, he just said we're dead. That's right, the old man's dead, but the new man, his life is in Christ. But it says, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. You know what that is, my friend? That's when that eastern sky splits open and Jesus steps out. And when He steps out, He'll call us up. And we'll appear with Him in glory. Aren't you glad for that day, friend? He's talking about the rapture. But this is what He tells... The church at Colossae. Remember, Epaphras and Paul have been hanging out together. And Paul has fell in love with this church that he's never been to before. I mean, I'm sure Paul knows the members by name. He probably knows who their cousins are. You can't go to a church without somebody asking you, who's your mama, where you live, what do you do? I'm sure he knows everything about everybody. And he's done fell in love with everybody and knows where they work at, how long they've been there, when they retired. 
Amen. He's already fell in love with them. So he knows a little bit about them. And what he's saying is, I'm the apostle. I'm over, I'm over out of this jurisdiction over these people here. And I'm trying to help these people out here because I've done talk to a, just a regular old church member that's on fire for the Lord. And I just want to help you out because he's not a preacher. If he was a preacher, I'd tell him what to say to you, but he's not a preacher. He's just a lay person. And so what he's trying to do is give them some kind of instruction. And this is what he says in chapter number 5. What's that word say? Mortify. Mortify. He's talking to uh, saints of God that's been in the work and been in the ministry and been in the work for the Lord for a long time. He says mortify. That word mortify, according to the 1828 version of Merriam-Webster's dictionary, it means to subdue or to bring under subjection. That means to have a complete control over. It says, mortify therefore your members, your hands, your feet, your eyes, your members, which are upon the earth. Why in the world would the Apostle Paul tell a church that's on fire for the Lord, tell them a church that's, that's in the will of God to mortify their members? Because even though they're saved, they deal with things in the flesh. They're still in this body. They're still in this members. And he says to them, mortify your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, got it, and covetousness, which is idolatry. He's saying that even though you're saved, your flesh is prone to wonder. Your flesh is prone to fall into sin. You're still tempted with sin. There's still a sin problem that's out there. And even the saints of Almighty God can fall into that trap. And oh, you have a great testimony. But oh, God help if sin were to creep up inside of your members and it would corrupt you. And if you don't repent, my friend, it will make you miserable. And misery loves company. And then it will affect the church. And now everybody's miserable. And this church that was once affectionate towards the things of God and the church that once was full of zeal and full of joy is now miserable. He's just sitting on warning. It's called preventative maintenance. It ain't there. It ain't happening. He's just letting them know, hey, even though you're right with God, preachers still got to preach against sin. And he's letting them know. He says, listen... For which thing's sake, for which thing's sake, these things that he just listed, these things that he just listed, these sins he just listed, the children, for this, these things say, the wrath of God cometh to the children of disobedience. The children of disobedience, those are the lost people. They were born that way, we're all born sinners. We got that. That's a staple here. We understand that. But the people that are lost, the wrath of God is going to be poured out on them. Unless they repent. Unless they get saved. What's that wrath? That is hellfire and damnation. That's the lake of fire, friend. And what he's doing is he's taking this wonderful church and he likens them unto children of disobedience. My goodness, what a contrast is there. Why would he do that? I believe that he's just letting them know, hey, all it takes is one little temptation and you look just like the world. Your great testimony that you have from without and from within, can be ruined. 
My friend, my soul friend, we, we ought to please the Lord. I know we're heaven bound with the hammer down, and I'll say it, I could right now swing over hell on a rotten vine and God wouldn't let me fall in. He, didn't, he wouldn't let me fall in. I heard a preacher say this this week, and I got so tore up, I about kicked the leg out of my kitchen table. This is what he said. This is what he said. He said, he was talking about John chapter number 10, and I've used the illustration here before. And he talks about John chapter number 10 and verses 27 through 29. It lets us know that this children of God is in the hand of Christ. And then it says that, 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 that also the children of God are in the hands of the Father. He says, I and my Father are one. And he went on to say that some preacher will say, yeah, but you can jump out of God's hand. He won't let you go, but you can jump out. This is what he said. I got so wound up about it. He said, you mean to tell me the God that created everything in six little days in one hand and one hand created everything in this world. And you're right there in the center of his palm. That kind of sovereign power, you're going to jump out of that hand? And then you're going to jump out of this hand? You're crazy? Well, I got so tore down. I said, Lord, have mercy. I'm talking about we're so, we're so saved, it's pitiful. We couldn't go to hell even if we wanted to. That's how saved we are. But my friend, there's still a testimony to keep. Uh, my friend, the, the worst thing I heard was just a couple of weeks ago when I invited, I invited a young lady I worked with to our church. She said, Preacher, I was raised in a church. I'm talking about they didn't let the ladies wear makeup. Uh, they, they said the dress was down in their feet. And, she, and you can kind of figure out what kind of church that was. She says, and I, she said it was hell, fire, brimstone preaching. She said, Every, everybody got along good. Until the preacher wanted to go run around with four women in the church. I ain't never going back. I said, Lord, have mercy. I said, where was this? She told me. I said, Lord, it's right here in Odie County. I ain't going to say where it's at. I don't blame her. I wouldn't either. But here, is, it's affecting people in the real world. If we don't practice what we preach, what good is it? What good is it? That's right. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, you're doing so good, you're running well. But you can. It's possible. It's possible to fall out of the will of God. This is what he says. In verse 7, In which, in the which ye also walked some time. He's saying, you, you used to be like this. You used to be like the children of disobedience. Because we's all born sinners. And you had to come by the way of the cross, so don't get so holy just because somebody else is out there sinning in a different way than you do. Amen. Amen. And he's saying, he's saying don't, don't, don't look down on them because you was just like them. He's reminding them where they came from. Remember, it's leading up to be you think, I promise I'm finishing with grace. I promise. Stick with me. But he's taking them all the way back to that pit of sin that they once lived in. And this is what he says. When you lived in there. Watch this verse 8. But now. There's a transitional statement. I'm done stepping on your toes. You can breathe. Ye also put off all these. So now that you're saved. God has come in and he's saved you. He's washed you. He's cleansed you. He's given you a blank slate. The old man's dead. You put on the new man, and we're about to see that. But now that you're saved, there's some there's still some fleshly things that hang around. You don't believe me? Because he mentions one right there, and I deal with it every day. 
But now you also put off all these anger. People, people just don't understand sometimes. Preacher just seems so nice. You must never get mad. I tell them I'm always angry. I am, and I shouldn't be. But I've let things boil up and bubble in my life. I just have that constant sting that's there. When I read that church, the Lord punched me right between the eyeballs and said, Son, that's you. You might be saved, son. This is what the Holy Spirit said to me. He said, You might be saved, son, but there's some things you still need to put off. Anger. Wrath. Somebody do me wrong? I'm going to get them. I'm going to get them. I don't want to sound... I better step away. This ain't, this ain't going to be so spiritual. There's this lady one time, and if you know this quote, and you chuckle, I know you know this quote too. This lady said one time on this movie, she wasn't really a lady though, she said, you got to get the goddess before the goddess get you. Amen. And I was like, yeah, that's me. That's how I was raised. That's how I was raised. I don't want to give you any, any illustrations. If you want to hear illustrations, I can tell you, tell you what my mom and daddy taught me when I was young outside the pulpit. Malice, that's evil intent. Wantonly, willfully, you, you want to hurt somebody. Alright? Malice. Blasphemy. I, I believe blasphemy happens more in the religious crowd than it does in the agnostic crowd and the atheistic crowd. And this is what it sounds like to the preacher. Is you shake the preacher? I know it don't happen here though. Thank God. But you shake the preacher's hand, and as soon as you get out the door, but I can't believe he said what he just said. And then the mom and daddy go back and forth in the car, running on the preacher as the children sit in the back, listening to mom and daddy run down church members, run down the preacher after he got through preaching. And then the spirit was all in the service, and then they, they want to pick apart all the flaws inside the preacher and inside the service, and, and, and inside the song leader, inside the piano player. And it's no wonder their children won't darken the doors of the church. Hello. Am right. I talking to anybody? Amen. Uh, that's blasphemy, friend. Blasphemy is more than just, oh, well, I grieve the spirit. No, you ran down the things of God. Be careful with that. Uh, he's talking to a church that's on fire, mind you. Filthy communication out of your mouth. I mean, we shouldn't sound like the world. We shouldn't look like the world. We shouldn't talk like the world. This is verse 9. Lie not to one another. Well, preacher, that's, that should be a given. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says every man is a liar. Oh, you women say amen right there. <laughs> every man is a liar. That means I'm a liar. You're a liar. Women, you're not excluded in that one. We're all liars. It's in our flesh to deceive. We shouldn't lie to one another. Why is that? Seeing that ye have put off, they're already saved, the old man, with his deeds. Underline that. With his deeds. They put off the old man with his deeds. How do they know they put off the old man? They don't do what the old man used to do. I ain't never met a man that got saved off a bar stool and went back to a bar stool. They didn't get saved. They got religion is what they got. I ain't never met one uh, with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. You, you now understand or are understanding the things of God. But this is what it says here. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew... I mean, racial division, you think it's tough now? You think it was tough in the 60s? You think it was tough in the 1800s? Racial division was terrible right then. So then he 
ties all the race in. He ties the cultures in in verse 11 where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision. That was a huge debate going on back then. I mean, that's about as, that's about as tough as debate as, as the Democrats versus Republicans. I mean, it was like that. Oh, you, be, you believe in, in circumcision? I, I, I ain't with you. Oh, you believe in uncircumcision? I'm staying away from you. And it's almost kind of like the... I ain't going to say it. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But, but it caused cultural divides. And then it, it talks about there's no longer the barbarian. You can think of the Vikings. And the, 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 the Scythian which is like the Iranians. Bond, no free. There's no longer divisions among you, at least there shouldn't be. Because it goes on to say, but Christ is all. Everybody, no matter your background, no matter where you're born, no matter what language you speak, who your mom and daddy are, your culture, you all come by the way of the cross. Christ is all and in all. You're all one body. So he says all that because he says the word therefore. Put on therefore. So we've put off the old man. We've put off the fleshly deeds that we've done. He says put on therefore, don't let this word scare you, as the elect of God. This election he's talking about is in this context is corporate election. If you're saved this morning, you're the elect. Uh, let me help you out here in the most simplistic terminology I can help you with when it comes to the doctor of election because it is a Bible doctor. Before I got saved, God foreknew the day that I got saved, but my destination was hell. After I got saved, God elected me to go to heaven. And there's no recounts on that ballot. Amen. There's the doctor of election in 30 seconds. Amen. So now that you're saved, you're elected to go to heaven. As the elect of God, this is what you should put on. I, I want to use this illustration this morning. I it come to me while I was in my study back there. Some of you may know this person. Some of you don't. That's okay. I just want to, I want to use it. God's telling me to use it this morning. Holy and beloved. I looked up that word beloved. It doesn't mean that you love people. Because I believe that will come with the holiness. But it means people love you. Now I want you to understand, I'm going to have my caveat, here's my precursor. The same things that I'm loved for is the same things I'm hated for. Could you imagine that? If I get invited to preach in a revival, they invite me because they know what I will say and not what I won't say. They won't say, oh, well, I'm inviting Brother Waters over because I know he'll stay away from this. He'll stay away from that. No, they invite me because whenever I leave, you know exactly where I stand. They, they, they invite me because they know what I will say. And I'm loved for that. I, I'll get called four, five, six, seven, eight hours away to come to a little bit old church with five or ten members and preach that right there. But in the same breath, I'm hated for what I will say. Isn't that something? But beloved is a little different. It don't matter if you like him, if you don't like him, you appreciate him. You love them. When I first moved down here, how many, how many uh, listens to the radio station 100.9 The Cross? All right? We got, got a few hands in here. Amen. There's a preacher that comes on. It's either 7 in the morning, 9 in the morning, I can't remember, named Buddy C. Has anybody ever heard of that preacher? Buddy C. All right? Buddy C. I didn't know the man before I, I, I moved here. Buddy C's church is about five minutes 
take a ride out of my driveway, uh, go through one stop sign. At the next stop sign, there's this church. You can't miss it. It's got to be the biggest church in Columbus County. It's Beaver Dam Original Free Will Baptist Church. And I remember I was having Buddy C come in and preach. Our, our, our church was holding a, a big regional conference. We had a Southern Baptist in there. We had Missionary Baptist in there. I said, I'm good with him. Then we're having a free will Baptist in there. I said, hold on, hold on, on. Who's the free will Baptist? I don't know him. I got to know is his doctrine good. Like, what kind of free will Baptist is he? That's what I'm supposed to do. It's part of being a pastor. I sat down on some of the leadership of the church. They said, no, no, don't worry, Dr. Waters. Buddy C is beloved. I said, okay, clarify. They said, I don't know how to. He's just beloved. I I don't trust you. Can you tell me about Buddy C? Oh, he's beloved. So now, if I go look up the word beloved, I'm gonna find Buddy C's picture next to it, right? I still, I'm skeptical. I don't know. I don't believe this. And so I got to think. Well, he's on the radio. He's got a big church. Well, what is he? He's, he's got to be. He's got to be arrogant. There's no way he built. He built that big of a church. I remember. I remember. I opened up the, the back doors back there, and this this little old man walks in. He's not old. But he's older. About this tall. He walks in. He said, you must be Dr. Waters. I said, I am. He says, hey, nice to meet you. I'm Buddy C. In probably less than 30 seconds, I understood what beloved meant. He says, oh, Pastor Waters, what a blessing it is to get with saints of God. To get around God's holy word and worship the saints of God. I mean, I felt that in my spirit. Here I am questioning this guy. And I'm like, he, there's something different with this cat. I said, yes, sir. I said, so you're a preacher tonight. I said, sir, you sit wherever you like. Oh, oh, no, it's fine. I'll just stay right here. And we had probably, what, 110, 120 people in there? Yeah. I mean, it was flood. I mean, people packing the choir loft to get home. People in the side classrooms. I call him up, and he's just quiet as a little lamb. And I'm over here sitting here on the platform. And he gets up there. He's been as innocent as a lamb. Follow me with this illustration. Follow me. He's been as innocent as a lamb. But when he got behind that pulpit, the the lion came out. Fierce and bold as a roaring lion. He went over there to that New uh, Old Testament passage. About that blood. That scarlet thread in the window. I sit up there, they had a camera on. Yeah, over 100 people in this room. I'm sitting right there. I'm about to weep. I'm talking about if I could get saved again, I wanted to. God moved on that man like I ain't never seen nobody. God moved through somebody. I'm talking about, I only think, I only think the piano player struck the first key and people's already in the altar. And I got up there, moved with, moved with compassion, and I understood what beloved meant. It's who you are. The effectiveness of his preaching, as loud as he is in the pulpit, it's effective because he's beloved. But he's not talking to preachers, he's talking to church folk. How do you treat others? Are you beloved? If you want to be effective in your ministry, I had to, I had to give that illustration. Holy and beloved. 
bowels of mercy. When the world is angry, full of, compa- uh, full, full of indignation, you show compassion. Kindness. Humbleness of mind. My, my generation understands that phrase. No, they, actually they don't. They, they understand quite the opposite. You have these influencers today. They're all about themselves. And I'm all for selfies. Me and little mama take selfies all the time. We love each other. We like taking pictures with each other. Amen. But, but that's, that's what it's all about. It's all about self. Meekness. Not to be confused with weakness. Long-suffering. I suffer a lot. I don't know if it's long. <laughs> Amen. Listen, forbearing one another. That means putting up with one another. There's some quirks about me that I know I'm quirky. I know I got my quirks. Amen. My wife said amen right there. We all got quirks, but do we put up with each other and their quirks? That's what it means. It means that we're not always going to be alike. Amen. And forgiving. Oof. What's that word? Forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, as Christ forgave you, so also you do. And above all these things, everything that I just talked about, put on charity, that's the boldest form of love that's out there. It's love in which you expect to receive no reward. Put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. You want the peace of God? Start with charity. Work your way backwards. I'm trying to land this plane, I promise. To which also ye are called in one body. One body. One body. The Apostle Paul has laid out the standard for everybody. Not just Epaphras. Not just the Apostle Paul. Not just your preacher, not just your deacons, not just the deacon's wife, preacher's wife. It's for everybody. One body. Same standard. And (laughs) be ye thankful. I got to thinking about that. I have seven points. I ain't going to get to none of them. I got to thinking about that. Be ye thankful. And all the the bad that went with it. I want to give you this illustration and we go home. I already told my wife about it. This week at the police academy, I got challenged. I'm the class leader. Got voted among the teachers. And we're practicing for the the state physical exam. It's called the POPAT, North Carolina. It's it's all right. I pass. I pass both phases. This big Baptist belly passed the poke. Can you tell me that? I do you too. We're flying with all together with three minutes to spare. <coughs> but as a class leader, I was down there counting the push-ups, and there was an individual that they did really good on their first twenty sets of push-ups. Then they had to go jump a big fence, crawl under this thing, run back, do a bunch of box steps, do these big bag rolls, and all this stuff. Come back, and when they got back to do their their next set of push-ups. It's like a big circuit. They got to about 12 out of 20, and they started cheating. I said, no, 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 don't cheat me. I said, don't cheat me. If you cheat me, you only cheat yourself. 12, 12, 12, 
Lock your hips. 12, all the way down. 12, they collapse from exhaustion. I pushed them through it. Time had already elapsed. And I told this individual, I said, just push through. Just push through. You're not going to quit. I ain't letting you quit. They don't fit. It's the practice, though. So they push through, cheating through. And I stay right there in the ear like a drill sergeant. Get on that bag. Roll. Come on. I got me to touch. Roll. And I come back over this way. And I just got, I mean, I was on top of them. I need that to be the touch. I mean, I'm right there with them. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. They got done. They're exhausted. They got so mad at me they went outside and cried. <clears throat> On the way back to the classroom, this individual was talking to another individual, and they say something about me. And I said, hey, I'm right here, guys. And they continue. I said, hey, I'm right here, guys. And me and this individual had words. And to get to the extent of this, I said, I understand you're upset. I said, and you hate me right now, but I promise you, you're going to love me when this is done. This individual has a four-year degree <coughs> in criminal justice. And this individual, all they ever wanted is to be a patrolman. And here they are. And they're potentially, everything they worked for the past four or five years is about to come to an end because they can't do their push-ups. Here I am, I'm being hard on them. I'm yelling at them. I'm in their ear. I'm pushing them past their limit. I said, you hate me right now, but in the end, I promise you, you're going to love me because you're going to pass. 35 minutes later, Senator to come back and in their own unique way, thank me for it. He said, what are you getting, preacher? When they pass, they're going to remember <coughs> their captain in their ear when it was uncomfortable and they're going to thank him. When it says, be you thankful, it's not all the mushy, feel good things in life. What about the heartaches you've been through? What about the disappointments and the failures you've been through? My friend, it hurts now. And right now, you might be mad at God now. But I promise you one day you're going to love Him for it. Because there's character development. He's, he's just molding you and making you into what He wants you to be. Be ye thankful. In the good and the bad. There's a grand design behind it. I firmly believe if I didn't believe I wouldn't stand here before you today. But he's trying to mold you and make you the person that you're trying to be. I don't know everybody's stories, but I do know everybody is going through heartaches and struggles right now in their own ways. And I ain't trying to push you to the wind. Hear me out. I'm just trying to tell you, give it to God if you please that way. That's right. If you're looking for forgiveness, today's the day to ask for it. If, if you need to forgive others, today's the day to ask for it. And if you don't ask for it, if you don't ask for it, if you don't ask God to help you forgive somebody, He'll create that sting that I was talking about. Amen. And it'll offer bitterness in your life. And guess what? You'll never be thankful. My sermon's up there. I didn't preach it today. I preached my message, though. I want to try to help you this morning. I want to give you a chance to respond. I want you to pray and just ask God to help you. Whatever it is you're dealing with, just ask the Lord to help. Ask the Lord to move and speak if it's forgiveness of your sin. Ask Him to forgive you. Ask Him to help you. If forgiveness for somebody. If it's just understanding of the trials that you're going through, give it to Him. I'll pray, Sister Barbara, Sister Paul, if you come. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to thank you for the opportunity, God.
Lord, to come out into your house today. Lord, as the Apostle Paul says, be ye thankful. And Lord, we use the example that was found today in chapter 3 as he brought this wonderful church at Colossae. This church that's on fire for the Lord. The church that loves one another. He, he brings them into remembrance of the things that they deal with inside of this flesh. That's why he tells them to mortify their members. Lord, even our bodies can affect our spiritual God, there may be things, physical ailments, Lord, that we're going through. God, we ask for healing. God, we ask for help. Lord, there may be spiritual things that we're battling. Lord, we pray for help and forgiveness. God, we pray for those that are going through trials right now. Lord, help them. And Lord, we pray you'll make this trial a blessing. Lord, it it might hurt now. But Lord, I believe on the other side we'll thank you for it. God, speak to you people. Help them respond in the right way. It's in the name of Jesus we ask. Amen.